Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. What up, everybody? Welcome to Smart People Podcast. I'm Chris Stemp. And I'm John Rojas. You know, I've been listening uh, to our, our shows, actually, from episode one. I listened to t- this morning, and we still introduce ourselves the same way. Two All years right, later. let's do something different. No, nah, I don't, Ready? I don't want to. Nope. Anyways, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. We got a fun but really thought-provoking interview today, and usually those don't go together. I don't know. That's what I would imagine. I, I like to think that a lot of our episodes are fun, but this one was... A new tier of fun. Well, you just like comedy and funny people. Oh, I love this guy. It was great. But the thing that I think was the best part is he has a lot of wisdom mixed into it because he's an entrepreneur. I mean, he's not not just a comedian or a filmmaker, which he is, and writer and funny guy. He's an entrepreneur. They call him on the interwebs an adventurer because he just gets himself into situations, which I think we should go into... We'll tell you about how he lived on an airplane and in a Starbucks, basically, and in an Ikea. But before we get to that, let's do a little housekeeping, as John likes to call it. Head on over to smartpeoplepodcast.com. We know you guys have been checking it out. The views have been going up. It's great. We're trying to tweak and change the website and bring some cool things that way. We have a newsletter that we have been able to get out two or three weeks. Two so far. And I'm I'm proud of that. (laughs) But yeah, so head on over to the website, and if you want to get a weekly update, a little tidbit of information, what's coming up on the show, sign up. We'll send it to you once a week. That's it. No spam, no BS. 
And if you have suggestions for the newsletter, like if it's formatted improperly, all that kind of stuff, shoot us an email, let us know. We got a little bit of feedback from the first couple that helped us out a lot. So we're going to make some tweaks yeah. and keep tweaking it until we get that product that we're extremely happy with and sending it out there. And I guess the last thing is just don't forget to buy your stuff through Amazon. We saw we saw a dip for a while and it was getting painful, but there's a little pickup this month and it is coming into holiday season. So buy everything through our Amazon link and really maybe we can buy that new soundboard that we've been dying to buy. Yeah, buy some TVs and stuff for uh, for <laughs> Christmas stuff. and Hanukkah and all those, all those holidays coming up. Yeah, enough, enough. Yeah. So anyways, this week we interview Mark Malkoff. He's a hilarious dude as we alluded to previously. He's a comedian, a filmmaker more so, an adventurer. You might have seen or heard of some of the things he did. He visited all 171 Starbucks in Manhattan in one day and purchased something from them. And he puts it up on YouTube, on his channel and all that. And the thing is, you might think, oh, he's not the first guy to do funny stuff in a video, but he does it well and it benefits the company. So here's another example, and he talks about it. He lived in an Ikea for, was it a week? It's either a week or a month. Something like that. Like I said, he goes into it. But Ikea got all types of press out of it. He had a good time. It's fun to watch. It's entertaining. It's creative. It's done well. He also lived on an airplane. He watched a ton of movies. He met the CEO of Netflix. He just followed what he wanted to do, which is what we're all about here. He followed what he wanted to do, what his passion was, and left nothing you know, on the table, said, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. We respect that, and we enjoy it. And for you comedy nerds out there, Mark's on a website, a little website called MyDamnChannel.com. It's a hilarious website. Tons of comedians, writers, actors put their videos out on there. If you like comedy and you haven't been there, make sure you head over there. It's a great site. So we're not going to bore you anymore. It's a great interview. We're just going to turn it over to that, which is the, the best part of this show. Here we are speaking with Mark Malkoff. So the first thing I wanted to say and kind of ask was after looking at, you know, your site and what you do, you clearly do not give a shit what people <laughs> think about you. And I love it. Really? You think that? I mean, I, I anybody just, that can go into an yeah. Apple store and okay. and deliver pizza and stay on the <laughs> AirTran and like get people to yeah. carry them across New York City, I envy this. Yeah. I appreciate it. I just try to pick things that amuse me, that just excite me and are not mean-spirited. I try to do things that make people happy. And uh, yeah, that that's it. There's no other secret formula other than me just trying to amuse myself and then I do think when people pick things that they're really enthusiastic about and it, there's a natural passion, I feel like that, that the, the, whatever the result is, I think that that attracts people. Whereas I just know so many artists or writers that are, and they all, a lot of people try to do what they think is going to be popular and it's the biggest mistake. And I feel like me just picking stuff that I really, really kind of care about because I'm very selective. I come up with a lot of ideas and I kind of weed them down. Picking stuff that I care about, I feel like that has been a huge part of me doing well. And, you know, that's so cool. That's one of the reasons, I, you know, when John and I realized we were going to get to talk to you, we were like, this is so cool because it fits. That's what the whole thing about what we do is, is kind of 
do what you enjoy and the rest will follow. And, and that's kind of what I meant when I said you really just, yeah. you, you do it and you have fun with it. And clearly it struck a chord with people and they like it. And it's, it's a fun kind of learning experience that you take people through. Yeah, people have been so nice to me. Uh, it, it's really strange because my background, which we can talk about, was if you guys want, was more yeah. uh, like sketch comedy. I did a little stand-up, but more sketch-based. But I always had these concept ideas in the back of my mind, and I always would do them, but there was no outlet online to really put them. And I just – once I started doing them just to amuse myself without any thought that they anyone online would watch them, within about like nine months when I first started making these videos, I started getting national media attention. It was just this sign to keep doing them, and people were digging them, and I just – I was just showing them to friends and stuff and I didn't really think about it. I was just like had a blank notebook and I just wrote ideas that just amused me that I thought were funny. And I, that would, that was it. And it just kind of took off. And, um, I've kind of like accidentally fallen into this thing where I come up with concepts that are on paper are very difficult to pull off. Sometimes almost borderline to the point where if people don't know me or they only know me a little bit, they've told me to my face, that what you're about to pull off is impossible. Why are you doing this? And it's just lots of persistence, lots of prayer, and just, you know, I will go to ridiculous lengths to pull things off. I wanted to talk about that a little bit because the amount of production that you have to put into these things, specifically with the 171 Starbucks, I mean, first of yes. all, you had to know where all those Starbucks were. And then I'm sure there was all kinds of coordination with timing and all that kind of stuff. About how many hours did you put into that video, just on the production side alone? Oh, my goodness. Well, gosh, I mean, I, I did probably, I don't know, like a week's, week's worth of two, maybe two weeks of research. And then we tried it with a car, and it didn't work. Somebody driving me around, so we had abandoned it. So then I took a, a whole month, and this was every single day of my life for a month. I bought a bicycle, and... I was terrified to ride ride in New York City traffic. I'd never done it before. And I just, after a couple of days of forcing myself to do it, I got over the fear. And I personally visited every, all 171 Starbucks just for research because I had to be very strategic about what the hours were when they opened and closed. And I would call the stores and they would, they would say, for example, it's open from nine to 11. And then I'd call back five minutes later and they'd give me a different answer. So I had to physically go to every single store. Then I had to get a director that could ride in New York city traffic. There was a bike enthusiast that could ride nonstop for 24 hours. There was just so much training that went in. It was at least a month's worth of training and then we did it that day, and it was uh, it was so much about I knew from the training that I had to hit Wall Street in the afternoon when it was dead because in the morning there were too many people. I, I had it completely mapped out, and I was doing the I was mapping it out up until I think maybe two two hours or three hours beforehand. I got two hours of sleep. I was up for twenty seven straight hours, and the whole video was twenty three hours. And I don't remember a lot of it when I watched the video because I was so messed up from the caffeine and the hot July day. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, did you finish? <laughs> did you have to finish all the coffees for no that? No way. No way. You would never. No, were you the, buying? The whole, the whole thing, I would have died. The yeah. whole thing was could I visit every store in less than 24 hours, make a purchase, and consume something? Okay. But I had so much caffeine, and up until that point, I wasn't a coffee drinker that the caffeine, I was so messed up that after about 12 hours, I couldn't walk 
straight. My motor skills were gone from the caffeine and from the hot July day that wow. my motor skills were gone. We, I couldn't walk. I couldn't ride a bike. So we had to abandon the bike. My friend Jill just drove me to the Romanian locations. My, I don't, I shouldn't be saying this. My, my one PA had to, um, he got, he had to stop. He couldn't take it. And my, my, uh, <laughs> My director got sick as well. I mean, I, I was in pain for days following for like three days. I was in massive pain. So, yeah, this was one of the hardest things. My wife, Christine, thinks this was the hardest one I had to do. I think living on an airplane psychologically was way harder and uh, those was way more challenging. But, um, yeah, that was – and it was dangerous. Like the Starbucks things, I was like passing – bike messengers like I was so <laughs> dedicated like I have to pull this off like one of the places I showed up what was it 10 minutes late after closing and I just wouldn't leave like I was banging on the door please sell me something mm-hmm. finally like after like three or four bangs they opened it up and I bribed them at first $20 for a piece of pound cake which they wouldn't accept then I brought it up to $40 they still said no $60 and then it got to $80 and they took my pound cake money because I needed it to count as a sale I really do think in any Art, or I guess you could translate it to business. When people are desperate, when you have a vision and you are desperate and you have, you just have to do, make this thing happen, I feel like miracles, uh, you know, occur. You know what's crazy about that? John and I talk about that a lot. And the other day we concluded say you quit, or say we quit our jobs and we had to figure out a way to make a living off of something we actually enjoyed. You would you would almost force yourself to do it, don't you think? I mean, something would come. Yeah, along. I think that when people are in situations where they have to produce, uh, like I read this book by Mark Burnett, who's the big reality star guy, and he was, I think, in the British Army, and that you would have to parachute into some place, and you would have no money on you, or and you would have to get like hundreds of miles away just like to, to complete the task. And it's just being like, I mean, you had no other option but to be persuasive without any money. And, 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 and when you're desperate, I feel like people just rise to the occasion. It's, uh, it's definitely an interesting thing. I mean, when I first started doing these videos, I had to sell a bunch of my possessions to get a video camera. I knew no one. I had like friends of mine that had, that were like in business filming me. I had no idea that I had to get a real camera guy that knew what they were doing. And it was just one of those things like, I got to make this happen. Got to make this happen. Lots of trial and error. And I just learned really quick just, uh, just by doing it. I think that's like the best way to do anything is just to kind of jump in and just uh, have the goal in mind and then just commit to it and then just see what works and what doesn't and just to educate yourself as possible and use your resources. Dear goodness, I have met so many nice people and I've been able to help nice people too. But using my resources, so many doors have opened and like just like it's just been wild when, when I, I needed a goat. I put in fa- on my Facebook status. Um, can somebody get me a goat within an hour? I have a goat. I mean, it's just bizarre, but it works. Wow. So what was the moment when you kind of had, you know, that, aha, this is going to work? Was there a certain video that you put out and you got a certain amount of traction or was it prior to even putting videos out? When did that happen for you? And how did you know that you were going to continue to, to go on this path? I am not a big fan of backup plans. Like if, if somebody knows what they want to do 100% in their being and they can't think of the, want to do anything else, I don't think they should have a backup plan. Like if people are doubting themselves, don't. I, my, my advice is do it as a hobby, but don't commit it to it as a career. And I just had no other backup plan than this is what I was going to do. And um, I did the, the first video, it was like nine months into starting doing videos. I... I, there was no YouTube at the time. I got, I mean, I was, it was worldwide media attention, but I did the, these videos 
where I was I formed the first ever Guns N' Roses kids tribute band called Little GNR. And we had these kids show up. It was like 200 kids dressed up like Axel and Slash. And I did it as a mockumentary. And I wanted to film the kids playing at CBGB's. And I called CBGB's. And I was like, can I film? They're like, why don't we do a concert? I was like, what? <laughs> it, it didn't even occur to me. And like, so we ended up like uh, showing my videos. And the kids did this concert. And Rolling Stone came and... It was in every newspaper. I was getting calls from Jimmy Kimmel's people, from Ellen DeGeneres' people, all over the country. It was bizarre. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. And people loved the videos. And it was just this thing where uh, I just have to keep doing this. And then I did my Starbucks video. And I, I just ha- didn't really think about that, the 171 Starbucks video. And all I, all it took was the New York Daily News did one article on it. And within a day, Jay Leno was doing monologue jokes. I was on the Today Show, which was my network television debut, CNN, Fox News. Uh, it was just it, cha- it really did change my life. I mean, it was it was this this thing, this light bulb, like, wow, like I just did this just because I was obsessed. Can I pull this off? I thought it would be entertaining, but I had no idea. And there's no way that I would have been able to do my Ikea project without Starbucks. Like another thing with me is momentum. Use momentum. I came off the Starbucks thing, which was all over the press. I was just getting so much attention. And I had this idea, this video content where I would live in a store. I would live in Ikea for a week and I'd sleep there for a week. And I approached somebody at Ikea and I just had come off Starbucks and they, that got their attention. Like the, I had success with the Starbucks. They, they kind of at first were like, you want to do what? I said, I want to do this video where the premise is my apartment's being fumigated. I live and sleep at Ikea for a week. I was very persistent, but I was polite. Every, I would follow up about every week. After a couple of weeks, I got a phone call with their advertising agency and they told Ikea, you, sh- you have to at least meet with him. We like him. They met with me within five minutes. They said, uh, we trust you. Let's do this. I won because I got, I mean, the Ikea thing, Mark Lives in Ikea, was, again, global global news. The videos got over 1.8 million views. But more than anything, Ikea, they got more publicity in the United States than the history of their company. That's what they at least told me. So Ikea won, I won. And it's just something that I feel like anybody that wants to succeed, you just got to be persistent. You have to keep that vision up there and use momentum. I feel like those are all some good life lessons. The hardest thing for me to imagine is there's no way you went into this and said, I'm going to create a video of me living in Ikea or uh, on an airplane, and it's going to be amazing. Ten years ago, you couldn't have said, that's what I'm going to do with my life. Oh, no. And I, that's, I, I, yeah, you know, that's I just true. wonder, I no that's one of the things we try and figure out. Like, How did that come to be? I wrote comedy for years. I wrote sketch comedy. I was in sketch groups, but I'd always just kind of write premises down that I could never... I could never film. I didn't have a video camera. I had no resources. But the stuff just, I mean, I'm kind of an idea machine in terms of that I have three by five cards all over my offices with premises. Like I I can really easily come up with the ideas and stuff. But yeah, you're right. I had no, I would admit, like if somebody told me 10 years ago that this is what I would be doing, I just wouldn't believe them. It's just, I, I don't know. Like I, I think that, that that was always in my, like in my kind of in my head and in my heart that I wanted to do these type of videos, but there really was no medium. So once I just started putting them online, just like light bulbs started to go off. And I mean, I had the idea that I was going to live on an airplane for a while and I wrote it all up and I, I wanted to do it originally with Richard Branson's people with Virgin, but I just, I, I put the, the treatment away. Some people in my life were like, that's impossible. And I was like, no, I think it's, I think it's possible. I'm just going to like put it away for a little bit. So within a few months, I get contacted by AirTran. AirTran had the same idea. They're like, what? you live on an airplane. I was like, what? <laughs> I, I, I emailed them 
the the, uh, the video ideas because I already had everything. And I was like, let's do this thing. And it was really a quick thing. Within two weeks, I had to go down to Atlanta, get FBI background check. The TSA was involved. And I was living on a commercial airplane for a month. And when I say a month, it was 135 flights. I had to sleep alone on the plane at night. Passengers would get on and off the plane during the day. And I stayed on and uh, I set a Guinness World Record. It was like 135 flights, which I never foresaw that ever. Uh, they put my face on the airplane that went all over the country and Come friends on. and people. I, that was not my idea either. It's like when you commit to something and you do it, you just never know what the results are going to be. You just kind of commit creatively to do the best you can. And sometimes like just like, yeah, amazing things just kind of happen out of it. You know, it's one of the things we talk about, too, is you can't go into it expecting or even envisioning where it's going to go. You know, if you would have said prior to that, oh, um, it's going to be on Airtran, they're going to put my face on it, or it's going to be on Ikea, it's going to get 1.8 million views, you would probably discourage yourself because that's too high a goal. I, I think so. I mean, you always wanted to do well, but it had, the enthusiasm has to be 100% in the work and the idea. I mean, I did think when they gave me permission for Ikea, it was going to be, it was going to get attention, but Within like an hour or two, the, the Associated Press and Reuters were there, and I, I didn't have my media day scheduled until like a Tuesday, and they were there on a Monday when I got there right away, and I was like, this is going to be global, and I had people all over in Europe that, that I didn't tell this about, and in Japan that were reading about it, and it was just like, yeah, it was like the craziest thing, like, and then that's how I got my agent out of Ikea, which was... Um, I mean, it was just so many years of me trying to get representation just on my uh, like writing and stuff. It took me living in a furniture store to get <laughs> representation, but it happened, and I'm still with the same uh, agents and stuff. So, yeah, it's just like no, you, no one ever has any idea. It's just, uh, it's just this journey, and you just people just make decisions, and you just try to hopefully do what you care about, and then see what happens. I have to tell you about how I came across you. I mean, okay. I came across I came across your original, I guess, the Apple videos years ago and thought it was absolutely genius, you know. Oh, thank you. Hilarious. And then I came across one of your videos, which was a Netflix challenge, where you watched yes. 250 movies. I think but, it was 251, but you could be right. I don't know. That <laughs> just rounding such down. A blur. <laughs> Can you tell our listeners what kind yeah. of physical and mental effect... <laughs> that had on you because i mean that's not an, that's not an easy feat and I, and i think that's that's another record i believe and this yeah. also led you to go to netflix meet reed hastings and uh, and all yeah. that kind of stuff can you can you talk to our listeners a little sure. bit about that it was 252 movies that i watched i got the idea just because I just get I, I get obsessed with things and I was obsessed with how like I could t I, how many movies I could watch taking advantage of my Netflix streaming account just like I was just like what's the best value I could get for my 799 Netflix was absolutely 100% not involved this was just I do videos on my damn channel.com I do videos for them and I just got this idea like how could I take advantage and a lot of my friends were like, you're so lucky. You're going to be watching movies all month. And very quickly, they realized when they start looking at how many hours a day I have to watch enough movies, they're like, oh, my goodness. I am so glad I am not you. And uh, it was a really challenging month, not 
only psychologically because I was watching between 12 and 17 to 17 hours a day. It was just, I wasn't really seeing sunlight. It was hard on my marriage, to be honest with you. And uh, like, there were definitely some great points. Like the documentary day was amazing, but I was doing a lot of theme days where I do like a musical day or I was doing a horror film day or uh, like movies I normally wouldn't watch. So depending on the day, but some days were, oh my goodness, it was so challenging. And just to like stay awake, like if I fell asleep, I had to start the movie over and that would happen a couple times. I mean, in two of the movies, I didn't remember watching it all. So I took them off the list, but, um, the best stuff that came out of the Netflix project were Andrew McCarthy from St. Elmo's Fire. And, you know, he's been in a zillion movies, Weekend at Bernie's, Pretty in Pink. Andrew McCarthy did live commentary for me on St. Elmo's Fire, which was so much fun. And That's also amazing. Jason London, uh, a pal of mine from Dazed and Confused, did live commentary. And then Netflix started tweeting about it, and I just couldn't believe it. I was so excited when Netflix started. They acknowledged me, and, I, and in the back of my head, I was like, please invite me to Netflix. Please invite me to Netflix, but I had no idea. I kept just um, watching Netflix, and finally, they're like, we want to send you something, a care package. I was like, yes, this is good. This is this is, this is is making progress, and then finally, uh, they're like, why don't you come to Netflix, and you can show the video, and I just freaked out. I was so excited to go to Netflix. In the back of my mind, I'm like, I want to meet Reed Hastings. I want to interview him. And uh, they took me out with um, a cameraman and, and my wife, Christine. And uh, it couldn't have gone better. I mean, they were so nice to me. I mean, I think they were really happy that it got uh, decent media coverage. And uh, I, I was just excited because like, I, I really, really like Netflix. I think I was just, uh, I think that they liked that just a, a typical uh, person that used Netflix was so enthusiastic. It was a win-win again for both of us, but it was a very, very challenging month. And it took me about another month to recover. I don't, I'm still not keen on watching movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. you know, one I'm thing, getting better. One thing I noticed, you, you were a writer for the Colbert Report, right? I was not a writer on the Colbert Report. I was staff member on Colbert Report. A, a lot of people I, I'll be on live TV sometimes, and they'll introduce me as a writer. Um, people do say that, but I was never. Yeah, it was an amazing, amazing experience. I was there for almost four years. I was there from day number one. I mean, it was just originally the show was supposed to be, I think, 40 episodes with the option of Comedy Central making, uh, extending it. And it was just, yeah, the experience. I, and I worked on a lot of TV um, when I uh, from when I graduated college. It was the best experience I've ever had. I learned so much. And uh, yeah, it just I just I'm so proud of the work of the show and Stephen Colbert. He's just an amazing, amazing man. Yeah. And yeah. I always wondered with some with the show like that, that's on every day and it's new and it's original. It's funny. It takes on what's going on that day in the news. How do you produce something like that to be that amazing? Every day. It was a really phenomenal staff. I mean, we'd have a production meeting every day where we just kind of like the writers would meet beforehand in the production meeting. We just would kind of like they would go through the show and really good writers, good researchers. And, you know, every TV show I worked on, it starts at the top and kind of trickles down personality wise. And he's the nicest man. He's just such a just a warm, really caring, uh, smart, smart dude that I just uh, man, it's just it was my pleasure and privilege to be there. And uh, the good thing about that show, and I think he said that before, is is that there always there's always news and there's always stuff going on. And with that character, I mean, it's just endless, endless possibilities. But um, yeah, there was definitely, you know, uh, it was definitely a lot of work. But I think if you talked, and this is just me, I could be wrong. If you talk to the people that were involved in the show, I think it was the most proud that all of us have ever, have ever been to be associated with something. 
You said that you produce content for mydamnchannel.com. Did producing these videos and all the stuff that you do, you know, did you kind of parlay that into other gigs out there, whether it be writing jobs or staff jobs or anything of the sort? A little. I mean, I definitely work with brands. I did a gig for Kodak um, in December. I did a gig with Nestle Drumstick, which was outside of my damn channel. But um, most of my videos are my damn channel. But like, um, I did a thing for Everyday Health recently, and um, I did a gig last year where the tourism board of of the Netherlands asked me if I'd go to to, to over to Amsterdam and to the Netherlands and just do a video series called One Hundred and One Other Things to Do in Holland, hmm. which was so much fun. I was there for ten days, and they let me do my thing, which is like the best creative thing when a brand is just like do your thing and um so yeah sometimes opportunities come up i mean i'm I, i'm working on a lot of stuff right now with my damn channel and i uh yeah i write produce and 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 i'm in it so it's just i mean it's just like the best way to learn again is just to do and i mean it was just years of me doing this um on my own and then doing it with my damn channel i just feel like i've been able to get a groove. I use, I work with a lot of the same people and I know who I work with well and who I don't. And it's just, yeah, it's become this thing and it's definitely led to other opportunities. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I've gotten to do so many things I never thought possible. So yeah. Do you need interns or PAs? <laughs> oh, you guys are so nice. Um, I, I don't know. I know some guys that, that do the uh, like Greg Benson at Mediocre Films, who's such a nice guy, and I like so much of what he does. Does the interns? I haven't really done the intern thing all out. Do you guys recommend it? I mean, maybe I could probably. I know my damn channel has interns, but do you think I should get an intern? Yes. Maybe I haven't. I mean, gone it's free that work. It's like free. <laughs> Here, do something, and I'll give you a recommendation. <laughs> well, I mean. I, let me tell you, I interned at so many places in college, yeah. which is how I was able to work in TV for years. I was an intern on Spin City with Michael J. Fox, and then I got nice. hired part-time, and then then I was hired um, through that. I got hired at Letterman full-time to, to be um, – I were at an f- office on the eighth floor that I shared, and I was in charge of help getting the audience booked and all these other logistics. So I would work at Letterman when I was 22, five days a week, and then I'd go over on fr- late Friday night to Spin City at Chelsea Piers and work the taping. And uh, th- those all came from my internships. I interned at Spin City. I interned – at this one show, you guys probably are a little younger than me. You don't know. Do you know the Sally Jesse Raphael show? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, man. The worst internship ever. I had to sign <laughs> Sally's autographs in Red Sharpie. I had to hang out with the troubled teens backstage before the, <laughs> the drill instructor took them to teen boot camp. That sounds amazing. I mean, it was, it was I, I mean, it was just really, I mean, I, I just couldn't believe what I saw and what I went through on that. I mean, Sally, actually, I filmed with her, and she's really, really cool and nice. But um, that was... The, opposite of Spin City. Spin City with Michael J. Fox, the nicest guy, really good experience. And then I interned uh, with some comedy managers before that. So I was really around a lot of those guys before they, they hit it big, which was very interesting. Uh, I was at the, I worked out of the Boston Comedy Club, which is in, which closed down a year or two ago, but that was in New York City. And that was, you know, I got to see a lot of people before they got famous, like Dave Chappelle and Dane Cook and just all those people just kind of rise. Jim Brewer and Daryl Hammond right before they got Saturday Night Live. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting just being in the city and being a teenager and uh, just being in that environment. The internship so valuable. If you can work for free and you can make it happen and build connections, I highly recommend it. You know, it seems like with a lot of the things you did in your industry in general, it's tough to get started. It's tough to get a break. How long was it until you kind of became established? And then what kept you going through that time? 
My goodness, that those are all good questions. I mean, I worked in TV consistently from when I was 22 on, but that was only because my internships and I was really persistent. I mean, I was writing celebrities when I was a kid just for advice and like like writers and stuff. If I could get addresses, I would just I, I was one of those guys that I knew what I wanted to do. So I was talking on the phone when I was like, you know, 16. Sometimes if I could get TV writers, I would write them letters and ask them advice and stuff. So I, I don't think until I could really make my living 100% full-time doing this, that I would probably count that, which was, um, I don't know, like three and a half years ago that I really felt like, because I was making it all my money just through that I could support myself and my wife. That was like, those. I think that's when I felt like I kind of, I don't want to say made it because that's not the word, but I felt like that I had... I had made something, a dream kind of happen just because I was supporting myself. I mean, my last two years on my on the TV show that I was working on, on Comedy Central, I was going on national television and I had agents and I still couldn't get out of my day job. I mean, it was, truthfully, it was really, it was just, it was hard for me just because I just couldn't get out of it. I was getting, and I've said this in interviews, I was getting emailed by TV showrunners in LA that I didn't know that were fans of my videos, but they weren't offering me jobs. They were just like, we love your stuff. And it was just, and I still couldn't get rid of my day job. And um, I was just like, is this ever going to happen? I just prayed a lot and it was just stuck true to my vision. And I just, that's, I think that's all anybody can do is just to do, just love the work enough that you just can kind of uh, get your satisfaction out of that. And I mean, it was years that I was juggling my day job and doing my comedy and it was Really, I mean, it was truthfully hard, and I was sinking a lot of money into these videos just as I looked at them as an investment, and I also looked at them as just um, I had no other option. So I was, I was losing money on my videos right. every single year. I mean, I, it's funny when I talk to um, people that are starting out and they don't want to like they want to get a sponsor right away and they don't <laughs> they haven't built anything up, and I, I just give them advice, which is just focus on the work and uh, just do good videos and don't expect anything from yourself for a, a bunch of years and just don't worry about the sponsors. I mean, if you need to get money, just, I mean, I, I get it, but there's Kickstarter and there's other ways to kind of uh, to finance the stuff. And, and even without it, like like my videos are very kind of art kind of expensive, but at the same time, I could do a video. I've done videos that were relatively cheap um, as well. I mean, I just feel like, yeah, if people want to make it happen, they're going to make it happen. Right. And then given all the things you do, I was wondering kind of briefly, what is your creative process? How do you come up with this? Do you have things you do personally that kind of bring it out of you or how's that work for you? Normally it's just me with a notebook writing down ideas. I can come up with so many ideas. They're not always good. <laughs> and then I usually let them sit there for uh, a couple of days and then I go back and just kind of like highlight the ones I like. And once in a while, like out of 50 ideas, there's usually like three that I like. And then I think about the logistics, what it will take. Then I, I run them by, I run it by my wife, Christine, just because she has veto power. Because sometimes I come up with ideas that like are, are dangerous. And like, I just like block out, like, I don't think about how bad some of them are. And she'll be like, you are like, she rarely is like, you can't do that. But once in a while, she'll do that. But she's a really good gauge of my ideas. And then I, I usually talk to a lot of some of my friends that write television on the various comedy shows and talk to some of my guys that I know that make videos. I get advice. Idea, getting advice has saved me so many times from failure. And it's also helped me success so many times because sometimes I'll come up with an idea and getting the advice, they'll kind of tweak the idea. They're like, have you ever thought of it this way? So I ultimately make my own decisions and like I don't listen to everyone's advice, but I'll definitely ask advice from people I admire. So it's coming up with the ideas. And once in a while, I will come up with an idea 
where I, I just kind of comes out of the blue. That absolutely does happen. Like Apple Store, for example, I was just I, I noticed at the Apple Store that people were just doing the most bizarre things, and no one had ever really taken that point of view. And it was a, a solid year of my curiosity asking the Apple Store employees off camera, just when I'd be at the Apple Store, hypothetically, could you do blank? And then I'd give them an outrageous <laughs> scenario, and they would say, I don't see why not. And I just couldn't believe it. And it was just pure curiosity that I, I'm just like, I have to see what I can get away with. So that's what happened with Apple Store. And it was just like on paper, I was just like, I need a goat. I need a Darth Vader outfit, which I was able to get. I would have bought, but it was just, it's always good to use your resources to save money for production money. And then it was just, you know, putting together uh, a crew, people I normally work with, and then just making it happen. The pre-production alone sometimes takes a while. I'm a huge fan of research. So I mean, I'm not a fan of it because it's not usually the most pleasant thing, but it's very necessary. So that's kind of how I work. I usually pick the ideas that amuse me, that are somewhat challenging, and that just uh, like if my friends that I talk to are enthusiastic, because they'll be honest with me either way. If those all kind of like match up, then I know I'm good to go. That's awesome. And Mark, again, thank you so much for agreeing to do the podcast. I mean, your videos are hilarious. You're a funny guy. We love your site. Do you want to go ahead and plug anything out there? I mean, tell our listeners your website, your Facebook, Twitter, anything oh that you got goodness. going on. This has been my pleasure. You guys are so nice. Yeah, check out. If you go to mydamnchannel.com, you can see my stuff. Uh, MarkMalkoff.com. My Twitter is mmalkoff. That's M-M-A-L-K-O-F-F. And the last thing that I'm doing, I'm doing this project where I'm attempting to get Bill Murray to come have dinner with me at my apartment in New York City in Queens. So any of the listeners, if you know Bill Murray, <laughs> that's it. get him here. Let me know. I'm easy to find. So that's what I'm working on currently, and it's probably going to take a little bit of time. But I do have his 800 number, which is the only way you can get in touch with Bill Murray. I have it. It's hard to get. So I have his 800 number. Uh, I haven't really tried to get Bill Murray yet. I'm trying to like depend on viewers, but I'm going to start this month. I think I'm going to start trying to actively get uh, Bill Murray to my apartment. I have dinner. faith that you can do it. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, thanks. You guys are nice. I really appreciate it. So much fun coming on. Awesome. Well, Mark, again, thanks so much. Best of luck with Bill Murray, and uh, we'll keep an eye out for that one. Cool. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Mark. All right. We'll switch up the outro a little bit here. That was Mark Malkoff. This was Smart People Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Remember, follow us on Twitter, Smart People Pod. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash smartpeoplepodcast, and head over to the website, smartpeoplepodcast.com. That was about everything. That was everything. I'm favoring Twitter. Hit. I'm favoring Twitter this week. Oh yeah? Why is that? I think it's more important. You realized how awesome Twitter is? Nah, no. Yes. I just... I'm editing that to say yes. Okay, fine. Yeah, everybody, thanks for listening. We're going to keep doing our thing. You keep subscribing. Oh, dude, do you want to tell... Nah, forget it. You guys need to figure out how to subscribe on your phone so that you can listen to us every week at minimal effort. Use the podcast app if you have an iPhone and make it auto-download. Yeah, that's about that's it. it. All right, smartpeoplepodcast.com. Check it out. See you guys next week.